Hey everyone, thank you for checking out our podcast here at Victory Hill Church. Over the next few moments, our lead pastor, Aaron Begley, is going to share an impactful message with you from the Bible. We hope that it will encourage you to connect with God and connect with others. We're going to be studying through the book of Habakkuk. And uh, up front, I just want to thank Life Church for helping to provide some resources and content for this series that I really believe is going to be life-changing for so many of us. And so it's called Hope in the Dark. And I love the tagline, believing God is good when life is not. Believing God is good when life is not. In the years that I've had the opportunity to do ministry and to work with families and individuals, I have sat with numerous individuals who have dealt with life struggles, who have dealt with tragedy and loss and hardships from every single angle. And I've sat and I've talked with individuals who are wrestling with faith and wondering where is God in the middle of it all? Wondering how is it in believing and holding on to the fact that God is good even when life isn't. So how do we continue to do that? How do we actually hold on to our faith in the middle of everything that life throws our way? And in this series, I want to encourage you to be here for the next several weeks. It's going to be about uh, three more weeks after this. We're going to hear some real life stories from people in this church who have gone through some tragedy and who have gone through some hardships. Some of them still in the middle of it, but how God is continuing to show up in the middle of their darkest moments. And so you're going to want to be a part of it. And so this series is all based on this book in the Bible. And it's this book in the Bible known as Habakkuk. And uh, maybe you don't know anything about Habakkuk. Maybe you're like, I didn't even know there was a book in the Bible called Habakkuk. Um, It's in the Old Testament. And so if you're new to church or new to faith, the Bible is broken into the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. And Habakkuk is one of those books. And Habakkuk is an Old Testament minor prophet. And so it's broken into the major prophets and the minor prophets. And so Habakkuk is known as a minor prophet. And his book is really short. It's only three chapters long, three chapters long. And so it's something that's easy to kind of read through. But Habakkuk lives 600 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. And he's this prophet. And what prophets did is prophets spoke to people on behalf of God. So God would give the prophet a message and then he would go to the people and say, here's what God says. Here's what's going on. Here's what needs to happen in your life. Here's what needs to change. And so prophets spoke on behalf of of God. But Habakkuk is not an ordinary prophet because Habakkuk is speaking to God on behalf of the people. And so Habakkuk is coming to God and he's saying, God, let me tell you what the people are saying. Let me tell you what the people are feeling right now. And so he's speaking to God on behalf of the people. And the reason he's doing this is because he didn't like what, was, what God was doing. He didn't like what was happening. And and Habakkuk lived in the nation of Judah. The nation of Israel is divided into two kingdoms. And one of those kingdoms is Judah. And Judah for many years had been blessed and great things had happened. God's favor had been upon it. But as Habakkuk is going to God on behalf of the people, there is corruption, there is deception, and the nation is hurting and they are broken. And Habakkuk is frustrated and he's upset and he doesn't quite understand. And he asks God, Habakkuk unleashes frustrations on God some 2,600 years ago. And Habakkuk asks the same question that many of us find ourselves asking when life doesn't seem like it's very good to us. When we find ourselves in the middle of life's struggle, Habakkuk asks God the same question that we do. He's asking this question. Here's the question. Why doesn't God seem fair? 
Why doesn't God seem fair? Another way to pose that question that maybe you've asked is, God, why are you allowing this to happen? God, it just doesn't seem like in this moment that you are doing all that you could do. God, it doesn't seem like life is fair for me in this moment. And if we're really honest in this place, we've all asked this question at some point or another. We've all been at this place and we're like, God, what are you up to? Because life just doesn't seem fair. You see, I think it's a question that many of us can relate to. And I think Habakkuk's story is one that many of us can relate to. Because what we see with Habakkuk is Habakkuk is real and he is raw. I mean, he just comes to God and he begins to unleash all of his frustrations, all of the hardships that he's going through, and he doesn't hold anything back. And so we're gonna pick up the story in Habakkuk chapter one, starting with verse two. Look at the frustration. Look how real Habakkuk is with God. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save, feel the frustration. Why do you make me look at injustice? And why do you tolerate wrong doings? And Habakkuk is in a situation and he doesn't understand why God, who could intervene, who could do something, doesn't intervene and he's not showing up the way that he wants them to. You see, Habakkuk's name actually tells the story of his life because Habakkuk means this, to embrace or to wrestle. This is what the name Habakkuk means, to embrace or to wrestle. And Habakkuk, we see him doing this. He's doing everything he can to embrace who he knows God is, that God is good, that God is sovereign, that God is righteous, that God is fair, God is just. He's doing everything he can to embrace who he knows God is. But because what he sees doesn't line up with what he believes, he's wrestling with God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there in life and you're like, what I see in this moment doesn't line up with the God that I know. And so Habakkuk is doing this. He's embracing everything he knows about God, but he is also wrestling with the tension that's taking place in his life. Let me give you a warning this morning. And maybe if this is your first time in church, welcome to church, but let me give you a warning. This is not a sitcom sermon. Maybe you grew up watching some sitcoms. Maybe if you, back in the day, you watched some like I Love Lucy or the Andy Griffith show. Any fans of those, those shows there? Maybe you watched some like Friends or Big Bang Theory or, you know, maybe there's some new sitcom that you're watching and, or you've binged it on Netflix. But in a sitcom, there's a distinct pattern to the story, right? I mean, you have an individuals, you have a family, you have somebody that's kind of the main person in the show and life is good. And then all of a sudden there is some type of tension or problem that arises. And then they spend the rest of the show trying to solve that problem. And when you get to the end of the show, everything is okay. Everything kind of ties up really nice and neat in a bow and that life goes on. And it's a sitcom, it's a sitcom. It's, it's, it's how it works. And, and often when we preach, that's kind of how we do messages. It's kind of the same way. And it's not bad theology. It's just kind of how we walk through things. We have us. And then we talk about a tension or a problem that many of us maybe are facing. And then we look to God's word and we say, hey, what's the solution? What's, what does God say about this thing? And then at the end of the message, we kind of wrap it all up and we put a nice bow on top of it all. And we're like, hey, here's what you can go do. And when you leave this place, we're just like, hey, this is what the solution is. That's a sitcom sermon. You see, a sitcom sermon looks a little bit like this. Like, you know, you, you, you like your job but then you lose your job. 
And when you lose your job, all of a sudden God opens up a better opportunity for you and you get a better job. And when you show up at this better job, you get more money and more benefits. And on top of getting more money and more benefits, you met a cute guy or a cute girl at the office and you weren't married. And all of a sudden you got married and you're like, man, we're getting married. And then you guys get married and you take over the company and you retire at age 37. And man, God is so good and his blessings are great. Amen, let's go home. And that's awesome, right? It's a sitcom sermon. Like everything works out. Today is not a sitcom sermon because how many know life is not a sitcom? It doesn't all resolve in 30 minutes or less. For many of you, you know it hasn't resolved in 30 days or less. And there's even those of you in this room that you would go, Aaron, it hasn't resolved in 30 years because life is not a sitcom. In life, we face difficult things. You like a job and you've given all of your time and your energy to that job and then you lose your job. And when you lose your job, you don't get a better job. You get a job that's below probably the education level that you had making less money than what you were making before with less benefits. And because you're making less money and you have worse benefits, all of a sudden you don't have the means to to meet all the financial means that you have and you have to file for bankruptcy and, and life happens. Or you love your spouse and you look at your marriage, you're like, man, our marriage, man, this is, this is great, this is awesome, until it's not. And your wife or your husband comes home and they, they tell you that they cheated on you, that they had an affair, that, that, they, that they did this. And instead of apologizing to you, they don't apologize, they, they blame you. And they say, it's your fault. And then they all of a sudden they leave and you're all alone. Or you love life and and things are going really well. You have a happy family and everything seems to be moving in your favor. And then you go to the doctor one day and you get a medical report and it's that word, that C word that nobody wants to hear, it's cancer. And so you pray and you trust God and you ask God to show up. You go through the chemo, you fight the battle and then God heals you. And only to see the cancer come back several years later. You see, life is not a sitcom. We go through difficult things. And when we find ourselves in these moments, the thought we have is we don't understand. And in the middle of those moments, we're wrestling and we're embracing. We're trying to figure out, God, how can this be? And it's in those dark moments that oftentimes we come to church and well-meaning Christians say things like, brother and sister, God's in control. Let God and let go. He's faithful, just trust God. And how many know that in those dark times, you wanna do what the Bible says and you just wanna lay hands on them, right? Because in that moment, let's just be honest. Your faith is shaken. Life is rattled. And even though you know those things, and even though those that may be good theology and all of those things may be true, you don't feel it in your heart because you don't understand why this has to happen. Because in that moment, God doesn't feel good because you know he could do something and he doesn't. And you don't understand why. You don't understand why. For some of you, you're like, I don't understand why. I don't understand why it is I've had to go through these things. For some of you, your story's like, you know what? I kept my virginity. I did it of all the ways that God had told me to do it. And, and I was waiting for that one person to come into my life to, to spend the rest of my life with, to get married. And guess what? Nobody has shown up. I'm single and I'm not married. And, and all my other friends, they did it all the opposite way of what you asked me to do, God. And they're married and they seem to be happy. God, this doesn't seem fair. God, why are you doing this? or you're married and your dream was to have a family and to have children. 
only to find out that you can't conceive a child and you pray and you trust God and you ask God for that child. In the meantime, you watch people who don't even want children get children. You watch people who shouldn't even have children get children and you're asking yourself the question, God, why? Why does this have to happen? Or maybe you've been faithful. Like you read the Bible. You're doing everything. You show up at church. You serve. You give. You do everything to honor God with your life and you find yourself in a place where you find yourself in a pit full of depression and anxiety and you're just overwhelmed with life and you ask God why or you see suffering in this world and we see the evil. We see evil being done to children and the evil that happens in our world and we see injustice and suffering and we see terrorism and school shootings and we've asked the question why and we've wondered the thing, this thought, God isn't fair. Why is this happening, God? God, this isn't fair. You see, Habakkuk feels this tension because this is where he's at. This is what he is going through. Look at how the story goes on. He goes on in verse three and four says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoings? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore the law is paralyzed. Injustice never prevails. You see Habakkuk's problem with God often sounds like our problems with God. Because have you ever asked these questions or had these problems with God? God, you don't seem to really care. You don't seem to really care. Because God, if you really cared, why would you allow injustice and suffering to take place? Or God, you aren't doing much when you could. Have you ever been there? If we're being real honest and real raw today, have you ever just come to God and say, God, I know that you could do this, so why aren't you? I know you could heal this person. God, I know you could provide for me in this moment. God, I know you could do these things, so why aren't you doing those things when I know that you could? Or God, what you're doing doesn't seem fair. God, this just doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem to be just. This just doesn't seem to be fair. But can I tell you something real quickly on this nature? See, fairness isn't a biblical concept. If life wasn't fair for Jesus, guess what? It won't be fair for us. Think about this for a moment. I mean, Jesus, who was just and righteous, loved people unconditionally, who knew no sin, had to go to a cross and become sin for us to have his heavenly father turn his back on him. How is that fair? You see, unfair is the fact that we get grace even when we don't deserve it. And when we go through these moments, the question we contemplate is this, is when life is not good, when we go through hardship and struggles and difficult seasons, we wanna know this, the answer to this question. Is it okay to question God? Is it okay to, to have some questions, to have some doubts? And when I look through this book and when I open the scriptures, I think the answer to that question is very clear. Yes, it's okay. Yes, we can have some doubts. Yes, we can question in those moments. If you look at the Psalms, a third of the Psalms are laments to God about how, the, how David is frustrated with God. And this is a man after God's own heart. And he's like, God, I don't understand what you are up to. And God, I have questions that are going unanswered. We see it through the authors of Job and Lamentations and Ecclesiastes and Jeremiah as they are filled with expressions of confusion and of unbearable 
pain and suffering by people who were faithful to God every day of their life. And even Jesus on the cross, as we talked about resurrection last week, we see Jesus on the cross say, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God, why have you turned your back on me? This moment doesn't seem fair. This moment doesn't seem just. God, you could do something and you have not. Is it okay to question God? The truth is this, is that we all are gonna have some of those moments where we're gonna question what it is that God's doing, especially when life is difficult and when life is hard. Let me just say this. You see, I think we've allowed a false formula to kind of come into the church. And the false formula is this. If I'm good and do what God wants me to do, then God owes me. We think that if we just, you know, do all the things that God tells us to do, that God owes us something. And, and if I do all the good things that he's going to owe me something on the backside, let me just be very clear. You see what you got is grace. God doesn't owe you anything else. You got the unfavorable, the favor of God and the grace and the mercy of God that gives us the forgiveness of our sins. And we need to thank God every single day of our lives for the grace and the mercy of God. Would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise? But you also need to understand this, that reading our Bible and worshiping God does not get us the good stuff. It's all the good stuff if it leads us to a closer relationship with God. It's all the good stuff if it's driving us to a place where we're getting a closer, more intimate relationship with our heavenly father. You see, the end goal is not living a good, safe, blessed life. The end goal is having a close relationship with the creator of the universe. And God will allow things to happen and things that we're confused by to draw us closer to him. He actually, there's a parable in the, in the book of Matthew, I believe it's chapter seven. And the parable is about two individuals. And he says, one individual builds his house on the sand and one individual builds his house on the rock. And he says, then the storms of life comes and, and the winds blow and the, the waves hit up against the house and the house that's built on the sand collapse and the house that's built on the stone stands. And when we read that parable, we all just think to ourselves, man, that just means if my life is built on the rock of Christ Jesus and I'm gonna stand strong. And yes, that's a principle inside the story, but there's another principle that we sometimes miss because what you see in that story is whether you built your house on the sand or you built it on the rock, there is a storm that is coming. It came to both individuals. It did not exempt us from the storms of life. And we need to understand that we are gonna go through some hardships. We are gonna go through some difficulties, but the end goal is that after everything we go through, is it drawing us closer to the creator of the universe? You see, if you're a follower of God, then you're gonna have a story that looks a little bit like this. Let me try to illustrate it for you. You're gonna have a moment in life or a time in life where you begin to think to yourself, there has to be more to life. If, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, there was some moment, there was a service, there was a, there was a decision that came and you're like, you know what? There has to be more to life than what I'm currently living. And then what happens is the spirit of God touches you. You experience his presence, you experience his grace and mercy and life becomes amazing. And so you have this encounter with God and you start right here and you're like, okay, God, I feel and sense your presence and you, you, you accept God. And guess what usually happens is right from this experience, all of a sudden you find yourself on a mountaintop. It's like, man, God is so good. God is so awesome. I mean, you show up at church and it seems like every sermon is directly for you. You pray and guess what? Every prayer you pray, God 
answers it. I mean, you come to church and all of a sudden the band fires up a song and you're like, oh, that's my song, man. That's my jam. I love that thing. Man, I feel the presence of God. You go to work and all of a sudden your boss is like, man, you're such an awesome employee. I'm gonna give you a promotion and a raise. And you're like, man, I'm on the mountaintop. I mean, your kids, I mean, they're not giving you any problems. I mean, life is good. I mean, you show up at the mailbox, there's checks in the mailbox. And all of a sudden you're like, man, God is so awesome. He's so great. And we find ourselves on these mountaintop experiences where, where we sense and feel the presence of God. But then guess what happens? Life happens. And all of a sudden, things don't go so well. I mean, you, you start finding yourself kind of coming off of this mountaintop and you're, you're coming down. And you show up to church and you're like, man, Aaron was a little off today. That message was, eh. You're like, you know, Dave was a little pitchy today. I mean, he, you know, he didn't hit those notes the way that I thought he should hit them. You show up at work and instead of your boss like giving you a promotion and a raise, they're like, I'm demoting you. I don't even like you. And you're in tension with them all the time. Your kids, oh man. You're like, they're gonna, they're gonna be the death of me. This is the end. I, I, I can't handle what they're going through. You pray. Instead of God answering your prayers, it seems like he's doing the exact opposite of everything you're praying for. And life begins to happen. And as life begins to happen, what we see is, is that we have what we call this crisis of belief. And we have this situation and, we, and then something really bad happens that makes this crisis of belief just become so real to us. All of a sudden, someone you love passes away. You go to the doctor and you get that report and there's no solution. Some injustice happens to you. Your boyfriend breaks up with you. A person that you admire the most lets you down. And you have this crisis moment. And the problem is this, is when life begins to throw us these moments, we think there's only two options. And the two options that we think are available to us is that when we have a crisis moment, we think one option is this, is that we just deny that there's actually any problems and continue to act like we're on the mountaintop over and over and over again. Like, hey, nothing's really wrong at all. And can I tell you, this is what we're really good at doing in the church. Like we walk into church and somebody's like, how's it going? Oh, it's good, brother. Everything's great. Life is well, man. My everything, I'm blessed and highly favored of God. And, and I appreciate the fact that there's faith inside of you. But what are we doing sometimes? We're denying that anything has happened in life and we're trying to stay on the mountaintop when actually we're right here in this moment. And so some of us, we just deny, deny, deny. We're like, hey, everything's good. Nothing is wrong. Life is gonna be okay. It's all going to work out. And then for some of us, the other option that we think might be available is, you know what? What I thought about God, what I thought and who I thought he was, that he's loving and just and good and sovereign, doesn't seem to be the case because of all these things that are happening in life. And what I see with my natural eyes doesn't match up with who I thought God was. And so you decide, you know what? I'm just gonna abandon faith altogether. Like, I, you know what? I'm gonna give up on this thing. I'm gonna throw in the towel because this must not be the God who I thought he was was. But there is a third option. And this is the option that we see lived out in the book of Habakkuk. And it's this, it's to wrestle and embrace. It's to wrestle and embrace that in the middle of pain, in the middle of life's overwhelming problems, that even when you're confused, even when you're overwhelmed, even when you don't understand it, that you can wrestle and embrace, that you can embrace that God is good, that he's holy, that he's righteous and he's sovereign. 
And what happens is this, as we see this, what happens is we, we find this in James chapter two, I believe it, here it is, chapter one, verses two through four. The Bible says this, James says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, whenever you go through hardships of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It's gonna produce something in you so that it's work, uh, per, uh, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And this is what God wants to do in us. And when we go through trials of any kind, when, we, when life is not good, we don't just have to deny and try to live on the mountaintops and we don't have to abandon faith and throw in the towels. We can wrestle and embrace and God can do something in us that brings us through these valleys and brings us out on the other side. You see, what we need to understand is this, is the way to true intimacy with God is not to live on the mountaintop. It's not to live on the mountaintop, but the way to true intimacy with God is not to live on the mountaintop, but to get to know his faithfulness in the valley. It's not right here. Guess what? True intimacy with God is not right here. Oh, life is good. Everything is working out in my favor. The place that we really get to know who God is, it's in these moments. It's in these valley moments that we go through that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil for you, God, are with me. Would you give Jesus Christ an ovation of praise? So when you have questions about God, when you have a faith struggle or a crisis of belief, all of these are opportunities to know God. And when we find ourselves in this moment of life, and life is difficult, and we find ourselves in these valleys, these are opportunities to press into everything that God has for you. Can I tell you something? This is the story of a lot of my life when I look back over it. It's mountaintops and valleys and faithfulness of God. It's mountaintops, valleys where I get to intimately know him and then get to see God do a work in me. And it's the faithfulness of God. It's mountaintops, it's valleys, and then seeing the faithfulness of God. About 28 months ago, I took over as lead pastor at the church. And one of the things that I started doing, and I don't do it, I, I need to be more consistent with it, I'll be honest with you. I don't like writing, handwriting stuff. So I type notes into a, a program I have on my computer. And it's just a journal. It's a journal. And even as I was preparing for this message, I went back through some of those notes of the last 26, 28 months. And you know what I saw over and over again? I saw mountaintops. <laughs> I saw deep frustration where I'm like, God, what in the world are you up to? God, how can we go from here to here and moments of there? But then on the backside of it, because I've wrote them down, I begin to see the faithfulness of God. I'm like, God, there's a mountaintop, man. This is awesome. Something great happens. And what I've learned, this is really a rhythm for me as a pastor sometimes. Like we can have moments like Sunday and we're like 22 people gave the heart to the Lord. And then I get a phone call on a Monday or Tuesday and it all of a sudden brings you back into a valley. And then you begin to see the faithfulness of God. Can I tell you what your life is often gonna look like? It's gonna look like that. It's gonna be mountaintops and valleys and then seeing the faithfulness of God. Mountaintops and valleys and seeing the faithfulness of God. And so in these moments where we've experienced deep hardship and pain, we press in and say, God, what is it that you're teaching me? What is it that you're developing inside of me? And I know so many of you are going through some of those moments, but in this moment, don't think you just have to deny and don't and believe it. You do not have to abandon faith, but you can 
walking in an intimate relationship with God and he'll take you out of those valleys because that's the God that we serve. So look at God's response to Habakkuk, it's in verse five. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And so God shows up to him and says, Habakkuk, I'm gonna do something absolutely amazing. You're not even going to believe it. And so Habakkuk in this moment's thinking, okay, finally, God, you are gonna show up. You're gonna bring justice where there hasn't been any justice. You are gonna right the wrongs. God, you are gonna show up in a powerful way. But guess what? What did I tell you? What I warned you about? This is not a sitcom sermon. It doesn't end up that way. Look at the response that God gives Habakkuk. He says this to him. He says, I'm raising up the Babylonians. Who are the Babylonians? This is the enemy of Judah. He says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, an evil nation. Look, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They all come intent on violence. And God says to Habakkuk, you think it's bad now? It's going to get worse. I'm going to use your enemies to bring justice because of your sin. And this was not the amazing that Habakkuk was expecting. This was not the, man, I'm gonna be utterly amazed. I'm not even gonna believe what God is going to do. So what do you do when you find yourself there? What do you do when you find yourself this moment in life, this moment in faith? What do we do when we find ourselves in those moments? I want you to hear this. A committed believer can both wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. A committed believer can both wrestle with honest questions. God, I don't know what you're up to. God, I don't understand this. God, why would you allow this to happen? And yet still embrace a genuine faith in God. And I'm not sure the church has done a good enough job of going, hey, this is okay. We think we have to come in and put the smile on our face and go, man, if I'm gonna have faith in God, then I gotta act like I'm always on the mountaintop. And because I can't always act like I'm on the mountaintop, I'm just gonna abandon faith altogether. But no, a committed believer can both wrestle. I can wrestle with God in these moments and go, God, why are you doing this? God, God, why was their loss? Why did you take their life? God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did I lose this job? God, I can wrestle with that, but I can also embrace that God is good and God is sovereign and that God is faithful to me even in those moments. Look at how, as Habakkuk does this. Watch as Habakkuk does this very thing. He embraces and he wrestles. Look what he does. Let me show it to you in the next passage of scripture. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? What's he doing? He's, he's embracing God. God, you are from everlasting. My God, my Holy One, you will never die. God, I am embracing you. I'm embracing you. Now look, he's gonna wrestle. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute just judgment. God, I'm wrestling with you, God. You, my rock, God, I'm embracing. Have ordained them to punish. God, I am wrestling. He goes on in verse 13 and says this. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Doings. God, I'm embracing you, God. God, this is good. You are good. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? God, I'm wrestling. Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? He's wrestling and Habakkuk goes back and forth as a genuine faith in God. He says, God, I got questions. God, I'm wrestling, but I'm also at the same time embracing who you are. And if you are there right now, this may be the story of what you are facing right now in your life. I want you to know today that God understands your pain. 
answers your questions because that's the God that we serve. He sees it. He sees the season you're going through. He sees the tears that you've shed. He sees the anxiety and the frustrations that you've gone through. He knows all of those things. And he is not put off by your questions because he sees your pain. He welcomes your questions. He welcomes the realness of who you are to be able to lay them back at your feet to go, God, I do not like this moment of life. And I'm convinced, I know it, that when you hit this dip, when you hit this crisis of belief in your life, God would rather you yell at him pour out everything you have inside of you with every ounce of energy than to push away from him. And so don't deny your doubts. Don't deny your struggles. But let your doubts continue to drive you to embrace even when you're wrestling with God. This is not a sitcom sermon. It doesn't wrap up in a nice bow. Life is not always a sitcom circle. And in life, sometimes we have to wrestle and embrace. And I'm wrestling, but I'm embracing. The series is based on a book by the same title, and I want to read you a quote out of that book. It says this What if honestly acknowledging your doubts is the first step towards building a deeper faith? What if embracing your secret questions opens the door for a maturing knowledge of God's character? What if becoming closer to God, developing genuine intimacy with Him requires you to bear that which feels unbearable? To hear Him through an ominous utterance, to trust Him in the moment of doom, to embrace His strength when you're weak with the burden. What if it takes real pain to experience deep, God and to wrestle with them at the same time. Because remember the end goal is being in a close relationship with the creator of the universe. And intimacy with God is not developed on the mountaintops when everything's going well. Your intimacy with God will be established when life doesn't go in the direction you hope for. When you find yourself valleys, we can still have deep and abiding hope in God, and we can question, and He can do a work in us and through us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, that your Holy Spirit is in this place, and God, I pray that you would help us today, that even when we don't feel it, God, that you are present. That God, even when we go through the struggles of life and the pains and the hardships of life, that God, that you are in the valley moments with us. So God, I know there are people here today, God, that are wrestling with what they see and what you're doing, God. They got questions. But God, I pray that they could also embrace you in the moment. 
every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this message helped you to connect with God and connect with others. Be sure to click the subscribe button to stay up to date with new messages each and every week. For more information about our church or for an opportunity to give to this ministry, simply go to victoryhill.org. Thank you, and we hope you have an amazing week.